Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program. I'm delighted that you can be with us today. My special guest in the studio today is a gentleman by the name of Daniel Collier. Daniel, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah, it's lovely to have you here, and I just met you very recently when I was doing some programs with another gentleman called Braden Entman, Pastor Braden Entman. We do a program called Faith to Faith. We've done quite a number of programs, and uh, you were spending some time with him that day. And then I heard your your story, your testimony, and I thought that'll be a wonderful testimony to share with our listening audience. So I'm very glad you've made the time to come into the studio today to come and share that with us. But uh, Daniel, let's uh, let's talk about what you're currently doing. Just share a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm unemployed. Are you really? Okay. I am right now. I'm unemployed, and it, it it sounds weird to be so excited to say something like that. But yeah, I, well, I suppose that is you could uh, unusual. <laughs> yeah, you, you could probably say it's a career break. Okay. Um, but I just uh, recently finished up a stint in the New South Wales Police Force. Mm. I was in the, in the police for seven years, um, and I finished up in August of this year. Okay, okay. Well, there's nothing wrong with that to take a little bit of a break, but it sounds like you're fairly active and quite involved because uh, I've seen uh, you a couple of times since we met a week or so ago, and obviously you're interested in uh, spiritual things and, and, and gospel ministry and that, and you've been spending some time with Pastor Braden as well. So um, how did you find, how was your experience in the, in the police force? Mixed. Mixed, yeah. Some good, some bad. I guess you're dealing with a variety of uh, challenges there, you know, whether it be uh, relationship issues or drug issues or just, you know, criminality. <laughs> yep, yep, definitely. I, um, it's often said that I found that you deal with 5% of the population 95% of the time. This is and in the police force. In the police force, yep. Okay. And the other 95% of the population, 5% of the time. So you'd have a lot of uh, repeat customers, I suppose you could say. Okay, repeat of, business, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, but not they, necessarily good business. No, they keep turning up. And you're like, you're back again? Come on, man, get with it. Yeah. Uh, but I found that when I first got into it, alcohol was a massive problem. Okay. Most of the jobs, you'd be saying 70-plus percent of the jobs we go to involved alcohol. People were intoxicated. And it was causing issues. And then as time progressed, after a few years, it actually uh, got to the point where amphetamine was the, the drug of choice and everybody was on amphetamine. So the alcohol subsided and uh, ice became the oh, really? one of the biggest issues, especially around the, the areas I worked in, the Maitland and Cessnock area. Mm. It's quite quite prevalent there. So if you say uh, the, the call-out you would have now for, say, alcohol and the call-out you'd have drug-related, uh, what would be the share of, of, of those You know, when you were, were still in the, in the police force? You'd still get a lot of uh, intoxicated people, but it would be more on a weekend, sure, night okay, times. So weekend stuff, yeah, when um, people aren't working. Yeah, 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 but when it came to amphetamine, drugs, uh, it generally would be whenever. Okay. It's always going. I understand. Wow, okay. So you've seen uh, some of the worst of, uh, I guess, humanity. Oh, yeah. And some of the challenges they face there and some of the things people can do when they're not uh, off sound mind altogether because their uh, reality has been altered through either alcohol or some other 
form of drug. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, a friend of somebody who's being arrested, for example, oh, he's, he's not a bad guy when he hasn't been drinking. I'd say to him, well, he's been drinking, so he's not a good guy right now, so he's coming with us. Right, okay. Oh, but, but he's really nice. I'm, I'm sure he is, but he just wasn't, mm. and now we need to deal with that situation. So it's, it's what it's come to. I've had, I had some of the nicest, nicest friends, and when uh, they had alcohol, they turned into very aggressive people all of a sudden. It's yeah, like an altered 100%. personality. Yeah, I had a mate in high school that was like that. He'd, I think there were some issues with his family as well, and it's sort of a, a something passed down from his dad potentially, but he uh, when he... Used to drink, he'd get very aggressive and want to stand over people and mm. like we're mates. What are you trying to fight everyone for? It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Wow. Okay. Well, let's step back uh, to uh, the place where you're born, your family, and uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I grew up in the uh, sunny beachside town of Port Macquarie, in oh, New South lovely. Wales, mid North Coast. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Sometimes mm. I wonder why I left, but I did <laughs> at uh, about 18 years old. At the beginning of 2003, I moved to the Hunter Valley to attend university. I, mean, I didn't really have any direction. It was just more of, well, I finished school. I got decent marks. What's next? Mm. I didn't stay during the whole course of the uh, time or finish the degree, but I got myself a part-time job working in retail, and I worked on progressing through that and eventually became a retail manager. Oh, okay. Right. So uh, you started a degree and then decided, look, I'll find something else with a little bit of money, and uh, that's where you, you ended up. Yeah, I didn't really have direction, and I didn't find there were any degrees that were presented and available that I went, you know what, I could handle doing that for a mm. profession. Mm. But in the retail industry, I was working at um, EB Games at the time, and I was a, an avid video gamer, so it all sort of came together. Right, right. Little did I know that uh, the crushing and sometimes depressing circumstances of retail would make me not like video games after a few years. Wow. Uh, but that's just... Yeah, it's amazing how many people actually leave school and then uh, very few actually have clear understanding of where they need to go and what they need to do. They uh, uh, just haven't sorted it out in their minds and no one's really given them any direction in regards to that. I, for a while, ended up working at a tenpin bowling centre just to earn some income and the reason I ended up there is because I loved tenpin bowling. It was yeah. fairly new. They put up these new... Tempin bowling centres that were automated. Before that, they had one with strings. Yeah, nice. <laughs> that you had to fiddle with. It was difficult. And uh, yeah, I ended up doing that job for a while, just having needing income, but not really thinking of that as a career. Such I, I, I can relate to what you're saying. So okay, you're uh, you're, you're you're in a family. You have any siblings in your family that you were yep, brought up with? Yep, I've got one brother, Adam. Okay. He lives in uh, Tenerfield. Right, okay. So you the oldest or the youngest? I'm the youngest by two. I'm the baby. I'm always the baby. You're always the baby. I'll always be the baby. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be 60 and mum would say, you're still the baby, the family. Yes, mum, that's, uh-huh. that's right, I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> and, and the family you were brought up in, uh, were they a secular family or was there some Christian influences in the family? We were Church of England. Okay. Uh, I think my dad's side, background of dad's side was Catholic. Right. Uh, but we were raised Church of England, not forcefully, mm-hmm. not to the point where it was... So much practice at home. We went to Sunday school for a little bit. Okay. Um, so there's some Sunday school attendance. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We church had, and church services. Yeah, some church so. services. Generally, the you know, few times a year you do your Easter, you do your Christmas, and ah, uh, okay, right. But weddings we, and funerals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> okay. we go some other times, but it was generally more of the uh, the quote unquote important times that we'd go to church. Hmm. Um, and I was also involved in a uh, group called Cooker, which was an after school program on Fridays. Involved basically just fun activities for kids combined with a bit of Jesus worship. And I didn't really recognize that's what it was until later in life. Ah, okay. But it was a really positive, uplifting experience. You go there with, with a, I went there with a mate of mine. We'd hang out, we'd have fun, we'd play games, and we'd get involved in activities. And it was just, it was just really 
good for the kids, you know, a bit of give the parents a bit of reprieve in the afternoon and give us a chance to have a bit of social interaction with kids we didn't necessarily go to school with, which was a positive thing. Hmm, okay, so some some good influences there in, in, in your in your upbringing. Um, was there anything uh, during your early upbringing that may have you know impacted you in a in a negative way, possibly? No, both my parents were very dedicated to raising us with uh, biblical morals. Okay, whether or not it was do this because Jesus did, do this because Moses, so on and so forth. Yes, yes. It was more this is the right thing to do, and okay. you believe your parents because you're. Well, they set the standard, don't they? Exactly. They love you. They want to do the best for you. I'm I'm now a father myself, and I want to do the best for my child too, so I want to be able to teach her things, but I'll I'll take a more biblical approach to it. Hmm. So good morals, and then at the same time also just to avoid some of those pitfalls that come through uh, bad behavior sometimes. Yeah, and I used to... making bad choices. Yeah, I used to think mum and dad were a bit, oh, yeah, you know, you're not letting me go here and do this. You're not letting me go here and do that. And I remember one time there was a... uh, Fourteen, fifteen, maybe sixteen, and it was a birthday party on at the local Pizza Hut. So we went along and we had a good time, and we finished up. And all my friends were like, "Come on, let's go downtown." Mm. And my brain just went, "Oh, hang on, Mum and Dad didn't say I could do that. No, this is bad idea." But they're all, "Yeah, come on, let's go, let's go." Oh, peer pressure. Oh, I better go with them. Yes. So we went downtown and uh, walked around the town centre in Port Macquarie. But at that time, there's probably only about thirty thousand people living. Mm. I think now it's probably double that. It's really right. gotten a lot bigger. They've developed a lot more. Sad. It's not not like it used to be. Uh, but we we went downtown and we walked around and everything was fine. Then we went to the local arcade. We we're standing out the front of it, and there was myself and two of my mates. And these two uh, guys came up to us out of nowhere, and they were either intoxicated or on drugs. Hmm. I, I could tell at the time something was affecting them, but looking yeah. back from my point of view now, having yes. been in the cops, I'd say it's more than likely they're on some type of drug. Hmm. And they walked up and said, "I'll oh, give us a smoke." I'm like, "Oh, mate, I don't smoke." I said, oh, you're being smart, are you? You want to go? You want to fight? And I went, this is ridiculous. So I turned around and walked straight in the arcade. They tried to bully two of my mates. Yes. And so I started playing machine within view of the guy who was running the arcade, just in case anything happened, he could be a, a witness to it. So they, they ended up walking off and leaving us alone. And uh, my mate's dad picked us up and dropped me back home. And I walked in and mum said, your father is furious. And I said, where is he? She's gone out looking for you because you weren't where you're supposed to be to get picked up. Mm. I'm like, oh, this is no good. Oh. And Mm-hmm. Car pulled up, dad got home, walked inside and lost his mind. Looking back now, I'm glad he did because yes. he should have because I disobeyed them and I shouldn't have disobeyed them. They were looking out for me and I wouldn't have thought in a million years that that circumstance of those guys coming up to hassle us mm. would have actually occurred. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course you don't. But it did. Yeah. I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is why they prevented me from doing certain things at certain ages. And mm-hmm. I now look at my circumstances and think... I'm sorry, Eleanor. That's my daughter. That's the same thing's going to happen to you. <laughs> yes, and I mean that could have easily have turned out quite nasty, and luckily it didn't. Oh, you know, yeah. It was just a little bit of an altercation, but nothing serious. Yeah, uh, and that's really what uh, family and your parents want to protect you from. Yeah, hundred okay. percent. Great. Yeah, very good. And uh, as far as friends were concerned, and you know, friends at school and that, uh, what sort of influences were, were they? Were there some good friends? You mentioned uh, that mate that you used to go to this uh, like a Bible. Program with Jesus and activities yep. and that on a on a Friday afternoon after school. Were there other good friends like that as well? Were there some other friends that are perhaps a little bit more negative influences? Because of my parents' dedication to my education hmm. and I suppose genetic smarts that were passed on, I did quite well at school. Okay, I can uh, recall a year three report card that said uh, if I continue at the rate that I'm going, 
I'm in danger of becoming the top student in year three and beyond. In danger. Back down. Okay. Yes, I know. Doesn't sound too dangerous. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Unless you're going to get teased for being the smart kid in the class. <laughs> well, that's basically what happens. So mm. you go through, oh, you know, you, you're a nerd. You're so smart. You think you're so smart. I'm just doing the book work. I'm doing what I'm told. I'm following the rules. Why is that mm. such a negative thing? So it's yes. it gets to a point where I felt at certain points in my life I got a bit of a chip in my shoulder from it because there was this expectation Mm. Because I'd done well at certain levels, there was an expectation that would continue to go. And I remember in year eight, I think it was one time, there was a girl who hung out with a bad crowd and smoked and drugs and skipped class. And she said, I'm going to marry you when we get older. I'm like, oh, okay. She goes, because you're, you're going to be rich and make a lot of money, so I'm going to marry you. And I went, oh, right. yeah, cool. Lock that in. I look forward to it, sort of thinking this is weird. But there was that that perceived notion that I was going to go far, do big things, make a lot of money because to – people who don't have a uh, Christ-centric life, that's important. Mm, yes. Which is disappointing. Right, right, okay. So, okay, so that was the expectations, even from classmates and I guess possibly even from family and friends that, you know, we're doing quite well academically, so therefore uh, you will continue with that trajectory and uh, they were expecting some really big things. Yep. Okay. So was that any pressure on you as such or you thought, oh, you know, that'll be cool, I can, I can deal with this? Yeah, it was. I did really well in English. Hmm. I was running, I was coming first in the year 11 English we were doing, the advanced English and the extension Englishes that we were doing. And maths wasn't really my strong point. I was I was decent enough at it. And I remember the maths teacher when they were doing the curriculum for the following year said, you should do three units. I'm not interested in doing three unit. I don't have that big of But you've got the capabilities. I'm like, don't care for it though. I don't want to have to invest more time into doing that when I can put it into art or business studies or woodworking or English, which I was... Which you enjoy more. Yeah, yeah, which mm. I really, really appreciated. So I did two unit maths and it. That was my weakest subject, I think. I just, I took it for, again, that sort of pressure to, oh, I better do this. Mm. Looking mm. back now, I wish I'd done the lowest level maths because my mate did that and he smashed it, got a 90 or something and it really boosted his entire score up. Right. <laughs> like, you cheater, you can't do that. You're way too clever for that class. <laughs> but yeah, the expectation sort of set a bar and there were times where I, I felt I didn't quite reach that. And I'd look back on my life uh, up until recently. I'd look back on my life and go, oh, yeah, I never did this. I never did that. Because there'd be people who didn't do well at school that you know, uh, finished up in year 10 and then got into a building trade and uh, developed their business and, and you know have big houses and lots of cars and all mm. these things. And, and up until recently, I sat there and went, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm really not setting the standard or what I, what I thought I'd be getting to And yeah. until I had a a lot more Christ in my life. Mm. Uh, that was important to me, and now it's not. I just, I, what's important is what I've got, where I'm going, and getting out there and reaching people with a message. Sure. So, if you look at your life at the time, you know, as a young person going through school, high school, and that, um, were you very ambitious, or were you just pretty much going with the fly and thinking, well, if I keep this up, ultimately, uh, I will just uh, run into success because I'm doing all the right things at the moment. I didn't really have a direction. It was just I know that I was I, I should do good at school because mm. it's you're told for so long oh, you do well, you get good marks, you go on and go on and so forth. Until I figured out and realised what the actual university and, and, and post uh, high school circumstances are. I mean, there's a thousand options out there yes. for people, but they they ride so hard on oh, you need to do this and get good marks. My wife's a high school teacher. Hello, honey, and. <laughs> She says there's so many kids that are so depressed and so strung out by the pressure placed on them for getting good marks for high school mm. um, that a lot of them resort to uh, self-harming and cutting themselves and 
really? drinking and using drugs and, and all these behaviours to try and take away the feeling of the pressure they have. Mm. When you could take half of them aside and go, it's not the end of the world. You've got pathway courses to university. You've got TAFE you can do. You've got um, jobs you can go into, You know, trades that you can work towards. It's not the be-all and end-all in high school. It's important to some people. Yes. And it's beneficial because I most jobs you go for, you require at least a high school degree. Mm-hmm. But I think the pressure that's placed on kids at that age Absolutely. is really unfair. Mm. Now, I think uh, there's something about personal ex- excellence, you know, and pursuing that in the areas where you are gifted and talented, um, you know, where your interests lie. Because they say if you, if, you, um, if you find something that you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. And quite often people are actually forced into different areas because of expectations. Maybe their parents want them to be a doctor or whatever it may be. But that's not really where their interest really lies. No. And then uh, it's a miserable existence carving out a living, uh, earning money. And you may be earning good money for something that's not really what you would have done if you just had freedom of choice. So personal excellence is one thing. And ambitions driven by other things is another thing. But it can put a lot of pressure on kids, you know, and, and there's a lot of children that are under that pressure now to perform and excel. And uh, quite often it's driven more by competition. Johnny is doing well or Susan's doing really well. You're not doing really well. You need to lift your game yeah. rather than just focusing on the child and having them pursue personal excellence and, and just self-respect driving the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, and I find also too that if you're passionate about something, you're going to put more effort in. Yes, absolutely. If and you're going to enjoy doing it. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's mm. a case of do you want to live or do you want to exist? Mm. You're just going to exist and plug away every day and go to your mundane job and do this and do that and get a wage and go home and pay taxes to the government and live your life until you die. Like, wow, that was sounds disappointing. <laughs> sounds really disappointing. Like, get out there and yeah. do something you enjoy, do something you want to do. Mm. Make, find something that is your passion. Like, I have discussions with my wife all the time and she loves teaching. She loves influencing the minds of the young and helping kids out and helping them grow and develop and seeing them come in as a little fish in the big pond in high school, walk in at year seven, mm. full false bravado and I'm so good and all the rest of it and then get knocked down a few pegs the next couple of years and then when they become seniors, they've completely developed and they're so much more mature when they started Yes, and she gets to watch that progressive growth and nice. be a part of that, which is a wonderful thing. She really enjoys mm. it. Fantastic. That'd be very rewarding. So in, in your life, as you, as you, as you obviously, you know, you know, growing up and that, is there any times where the concept of God or the meaning of life, actually where God sort of arrests your attention a little bit, or you're pretty much just going on track, living a pretty good life, um, but not really considering ultimately eternal life and spiritual aspects? Yeah, it didn't really come into my mind at a younger age. Mm-hmm. It was only really within the past, let's say, six or seven years, maybe just a bit more, that it's really impacted me. Okay. You sort of grow up, you go to Sunday school, you get your lessons, and they go, let Daniel in the lion's den. You're like, yep, cool. And they go, okay, Daniel disobeyed the king, he got thrown in the den, but because he prayed to God and God loved him, he was saved and didn't get eaten by the lions. You go, yay, good story, woohoo. Okay. But when you unpack the chapters of Daniel in the Bible Mm. and you come across the prophecies of Babylon and Medo-Persia and down right down to the... Clay, f- clay and mud feet. He just yes. amazing. They don't, they don't teach you that. They don't yeah. give you that. It's, it's it's next level. It blows your mind. Right. Okay. So yes, I had this this concept going through that you know, I, got, I didn't put I didn't certainly put things together. You say Moses in Egypt threw down his staff, turned into a snake. Oh, we can do that too. Snakes and eating each other, and you got pharaohs and pyramids, and it doesn't. It didn't really gel in my mind that that was actual history. 
it sort of was so like a story, a, basically. Yeah, because you know, Egypt so far away to me, it might as well be the moon. Mm. It, it wasn't anything I was in contact with directly, right? And had an understanding of to that degree that I could go, okay, Moses existed at the time of the, in Egypt. This is actual history, mm. and it wasn't until recently that that was really showed to me that I had a concept understanding of it sort of went, okay. you do good, you go to heaven, you do bad, you go to hell. Okay, well, just, I'll just be a good person and that'll mm. that'll get me there, not realizing there's so much more to it. Mm. So God would have been a part of the story as well when it was told at the time, I assume? Or was it more about the human uh, element? Originally or? Originally, yes. As you remember it, at least, anyway. What's, what stands out? Is it more about Moses and the pharaohs, or is it about God's intervention, how he worked through Moses and all he did? And no, I the think plagues and the way it was taught, from what I remember, was more of the human circumstance of it. Okay. I actually, for such a long time, I had this concept in my mind that my image of what God was was actually a cousin of mine because we I've got large families on either side. My dad's the middle child of seven. My mum's the youngest of 11. Wow, okay. I've got cousins and relatives that mm. my wife and children will never meet right. because we're just so Such far a big apart. Family. Yeah, it's yeah. just there's so much going on. And the only time everybody generally gets together is funerals mm. and sometimes weddings, which is sad, but it's you know everybody gets a life and, and, and goes on. Um, but do you relate to these stories as like stories of family members, basically? Were you? Or? No, yeah. I, this cousin of mine on my dad's side, he was always, oh, he's, he's doing well, he's doing this. He's, and there's always these positive things. Like they talk, my brother and I do really well in school. Yeah. But he was a sports star. Oh, okay. And he was fit and he was this and he was that. And they just had this. It's like he was put up on this pedestal and he was idolized to a degree. Mm. And in my very juvenile young mind, I sort of went, well, he's, you know, he's up in the sky looking over me. And it, it was this really weird that's what you connected with God. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Was it, but it was the the, the highest image. standard you could see in achievement for humanity was, was sort of the equivalent to my what cousin. Okay. <laughs> as God in the sky, and it was so bizarre for so long that that was sort of generally, you know, I, I needed something to imagine. Mm. I needed something to put. And until you read, you know, chapters in Revelation about how God's described. Yes. You don't really have a picture to go to. Everybody, right. you know, paints a picture of a old bearded man, white hair and white robes, hmm. um, which is not far from, if you read the description in there, it's similar to a degree. Yes. But I needed something to put it to my mind. So when I thought about God at any point, that's hmm. what came to mind, stupidly enough. And it yeah. doesn't happen anymore. because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how we portray God because he's referred to the ancient of days and names like that. But uh, aging is actually a sign of dying. Slowly but surely, your body is actually, you know, deteriorating. Yeah. And there's no deterioration with God. So God will probably look very youthful if we were to describe it from a human perspective. You know, there'd be no decay, no sign of decay, although his hair may be white in that. Mm. Facially, it'll be perfection yep. and, you know, eternal youth. So, it's, yeah, it's interesting how we you portray God. Ancient of days means you have to look old. But ancient of days, according to the Bible, doesn't mean that. There's, there's no decay. Yeah, he just exists. He is. He is. He's he no, the source of life. He started and he'll end. It's yeah. just he is. Incredible. So obviously you've, you've, uh, your, your thoughts have, have changed a little bit over the years. You, you leave the retail job at some stage, I assume, and you get into the police force. Is yeah. there a gap that I've jumped there or is no, that no, pretty no. much that how, how it works? Smooth transition. Okay. <laughs> I had always wanted to be a police officer because they're good. They catch the baddies. Right. They do good. Mm. High morals and upstanding and disregard all the Royal Commission stuff where people were using very underhanded tactics to benefit themselves. Yes. 
but I, I just wanted to be out there on the front lines doing good, locking up the bad guys, keeping people safe mm. because of those morals that were instilled in me from my parents, okay. which were indirectly influenced from the Bible. Mm. So I, I got to the point where I was, I, was, I was sick of retail. It was just money, money, money. Right. Every Always chasing the budgets. And yeah. All that. yeah, yeah. And, you know, you'd promote this brand new game and, yeah, great, and you got your pre-orders and you got your sales and you sold you know, X amount and you made this much money. It was wonderful. It was awesome. It was fantastic. And those people go away and play their game for a few days and it's great. And then the bosses send you an email or ring you and say, all right, here's the next one coming out. Start promoting that. Like people just spent $120 on a brand new game that's going to take them six weeks or more to finish. Oh, yeah, but by that time they'll... You know, there'll be another one coming out and they'll be ready to play that as well. And it was mm. just always, you never stopped. And there was all these expectations and targets to hit. And I got to the point where I sat there and went, what am I doing with my life? And, and, and it was really reinforced when I told people that I was leaving to go to the police because they'd say to me, oh, no, they wouldn't say to me, oh, good luck, have a good time, have fun, enjoy it, be safe. That's really great. Do a good job. A lot of the responses I got were, oh, well, who's going to sell me cheap games if you're gone? Oh, really? Like, wow, is that a lame to you? Well, you know, we shouldn't. So you were starting to question the purpose for existence, the meaning yeah. of life, and then you wanted to make a difference, and you're thinking, is game, selling games really going to make the difference I want to make? Yeah. Do I want to be a 50-year-old retail manager selling games to kids? Okay. No, I want to do something else. So I thought, okay, I've always wanted to get in the cops, and it's, it's you know, they're going to provide the training. Hmm. I don't have to go and get – I mean, I did get an uh, associate degree from it because there was a lot of – uh, training to do, but they give you that training. They they yes. provide that for you. I didn't have to go somewhere and work and train and build up and, and get back into it. I could do all that in the system itself. Yes. So I applied for it and I got in. And uh, aside from some uh, hiccups with my fitness, I got through. And great thing about fitness is you can get fitter the more you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's funny because I had some. I wasn't a very good runner. I'd never run. I used to play baseball and it'd be, you know, 20 metres or 20 feet and sh you know, sprints between the bases. That was yes, it's yes. easy. But um, they wanted to do 3K runs and the first one nearly killed me, but I was dedicated and I did all that I could to make sure that I wouldn't bring everybody down. And there's a few inter interesting stories, but I've got some really positive feedback I'd, um, I'd like to share in a minute too. Okay, great. Well, dear listener, you are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and my special guest in the studio today is Daniel Collier, and he's just telling us how he was getting into the police force and all the tests and some of the hurdles they had to jump, including fitness. So we're just going to take a short break here, and we'll come back with part two of his story right after this short break. Stay tuned. Jesus spoke to his disciples one day somewhat cryptically when he said to them in Matthew 16 and verse 6, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. He was trying to get the disciples to think and realize what was going on in their hearts. The religious leaders asked Jesus to show them a sign from heaven. So Jesus warns the disciples and they wonder what he means. Could it be because we have no bread, they wonder? And then Jesus reminds them, remember the time I fed the 5,000? And the other time when I fed the 4,000? It seems the disciples were wondering why Jesus didn't give the Pharisees and Sadducees the sign they wanted, even after Jesus had given anyone who cared to stop and think all the signs they'd ever need. Wouldn't you think it a bit unnecessary for the disciples to think that Jesus should give a sign? Sure it was. But people like you and me do the same thing all the time. 
Jesus brings you into the world, takes care of you, gives you the beauty of the world to enjoy, showers you with blessing. And yet there are times when we doubt that God is really with us and we feel that if if only God would show us that he's with us, then we'd be okay. Today, you can be certain Jesus is with you, that God is for you and not against you, that God sees you and knows you and loves you, and that he's doing all he can to bless your life. But I'm broke. Still, you have evidence that God is with you. You've already seen the signs. But I'm, I'm ill. That's really unfortunate, but still God is with you. You've seen the signs already. Faith believes the promises of God and trusts them to be true. Don't go by appearances in determining your place in God's heart. God is with you. His presence and his blessings are in plain view. I'm John Bradshaw for It Is Written. Let's live today by every word. Dear listener, welcome back. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Daniel Collier. Just before the break, Dan, you were telling us about you've now left retail and you're getting into the police force. And uh, one of the challenges, they obviously police have to be reasonably fit because sometimes you get into some physical things. And yeah, the, the fitter you are, the, the, the longer you survive. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you were saying that, you know, the fitness was a, a little bit of a challenge. I guess as a gamer, you didn't really have to be fit. You can sit in front no. of the TV or throw in the computer and just play your games. I press buttons and they run for me. <laughs> right. Okay. So what happened uh, when you when you entered the police force and now you've got to work on getting your fitness levels up? The, the first run, first major run we had to do was three kilometres. I never run that in my life because I used to play baseball and softball. So and short cricket, little bursts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you run between the pitch or run between the bases. Wasn't wasn't much to it. And we did the 3K run. I didn't stop, which I was quite proud of. Hmm. But I got to the point where I was literally snail's pace. And the poor group had to loop back on me and pick me up. And we'd run and I'd drop to the back of the group and they'd keep getting ahead. And that loop back and pick him up. And five or six times this happened. People started trying to push me along to right. get me running. And we got to the end of it and I'd, I'd made it. I didn't die. Mm. And some people actually got carted away in ambulances and all kinds of gear. And it was, Oh, really? Yeah, one guy, his heat stroke. Mm. And uh, he had done the run and he was delirious. And the yes. sergeant said, oh, I've got a letter from a former student who said, thanks for teaching me. Thanks for helping me. I you know, I did my first foot pursuit the other day and I caught the crook and it was because of your dedication. And he was reading it and this student stood up and just started clapping loud and started yelling, oh, wonderful, let's all hear it for the sergeant. <laughs> and looking at him going, is this guy serious? And he he was so delirious, he just, you know, in his brain it was playing on it. He just got yes. up and went, oh, I'm sick of hearing this rubbish. And he got up and gave the sergeant a mouthful and I think they gave him the boot okay, not yeah, long after that. that, that, that not respect. a good move. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> but I, I got through it and I said to everybody, look, I really apologise, obviously... I'm the I'm the weak link. I'm dragging the chain, but I'll I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do this by the time. So when the time came for the assessment run, hmm. I had uh, I'd actually been running so much three times a week with a mate, and then in the mornings with the sergeant, he came to me one day and said, "Do you want to come with a run for me in the morning at five o'clock?" And I thought, so this was to help you basically. Or yeah, yeah. It's not something was, extended to everybody. No, no. It was okay. a small, very very small select group of uh, chain draggers. <laughs> okay. And so oh, we went. That's a nice, generous. It, yeah, gesture, it really was. Guess, he, yeah. he was. He was a fitness nut too. He loved it. Loved oh, it. Right, right. Five o'clock mornings for him. Uh, five o'clock runs in the morning for him. I think were just spot on. So, mm. but uh, we went went for the runs, and I did the uh, the loop with my mate three times a week. And after I finished the assessment run, I was walking back to the dorms, and one of the other students there said, "Oh, this guy. He's he's." Put in all this effort, he's great. He's doing a great job. Good on you, mate. Didn't even know who he was. Hmm. Didn't even know his name. There's about 110 students. We all had different different classes. We're in we had classes of about uh, 15 or so. Yes. And it was just a really positive, uplifting experience to know that I'd 
put that effort in and been successful. Mm. Um, and then we had the attestation parade and the uh, following week I was starting at Maitland as a brand new probationary constable. Wow. Okay. And how did you find the experience in the police force? I think you mentioned you were in the police force for about seven years. Seven years. That's correct. Mm. I I wanted to help people. Mm. It's, it's generally a circumstance of why you go into a job like that. You're selflessly putting yourself out there. Yes. Um, risking your own life in potentially dangerous situations to try and benefit others. Mm. And that's what I wanted to do. Unfortunately, I found that with all the power I had, I was quite powerless because of legislation, okay. because of red tape, because of the circumstances of I can only do so much within the boundaries of the law. Mm. I couldn't help people the way I wanted to. Quite often I get people saying, this is rubbish, this is ridiculous. I don't agree with X, Y, Z in the law. And I'd say to them, I agree with you, mm. unfortunately. I'm paid to enforce the law. This is the law. This is legislation. I have to enforce it. Yes. If you don't like it, move countries. Wow. Okay. Go to Bosnia and see if they have. Then <laughs> <laughs> come back and tell me how good. I used to use that on kids all the time. Oh, this is ridiculous. Mum took my phone off me. Like, mate, go and live in Sudan for two weeks and then come back and tell me how how horrible it is that sure, Mum took sure. your phone. Okay. Off yeah. So we've got a lot to be grateful for in this grand country. scheme of yeah. things. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, there's horrible things happening in this country, but mm. people don't recognise. Or know that it happens. Like we had probably one murder every one and a half years in the area that I worked in. Oh, okay. Mm. And it wasn't a big area. Not small town. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, I mean, the, the whole area we covered, a lot of towns and townships. Yes, but yes. In the grand scheme of things, when you look at our area compared to parts of the rest of the state, it wasn't a very big area. It was just very densely populated. Oh, okay. So, but um, I, I continued on, and I'd, I was actually. Um, the cleaners that used to work at Maitland, they're lovely people. And I'd have chats with them all the time. They were friends with everybody. They knew everything too because they've got their finger on the pulse. They hear the bosses talking. They hear the semi-bosses talking. They hear the sergeants talking. They hear the troops talking. They hear the VIPs talking. They get all the information. It was right. they, were, they were really good people. I'd talk to them all the time and say, I don't think I'm cut out for this. No, no, you'll be you'll be an inspector one day. And I'm like, I just don't. I don't think I enjoy this as much as I thought I would. And as time went on and... You see the same people coming back with the same problems and you're trying to help them and they don't want your help. And again, I got to the point in my life where I went, what am I doing here? This is ridiculous. Mm. You know, you'd see these horrible things. I think these people never had a chance from the word go. There's got to be more. There's got to be more to this world and this existence than just you're born, you live, you die. Yes. You become worm food. Like That's that's a horrible concept. Mm. I don't want to be so a part of So you started questioning all this. If you just live and die and that's it, then yep. yeah, what's really the meaning of it yep. all? Okay. I was, I was, before I got in the cops, I was still going to the, uh, the college and I was living on the central coast. Hmm. I was a bit off the rails at the time. I was living with a, um, a lady who was 16 years older than me with five kids and two ex-husbands. Right. And had an old Jehovah's Witness guy come around one day. We started having a chat and I... I I liked a bit of what he was saying, hmm. and it got me interested, but I, I wasn't ready at that time. Right. So I stopped answering the door, and he either lost interest or not soon uh, Soon after that. Sorry, we, we moved, so I didn't have to okay. worry about him coming back. So, I mean, But you've got these questions in your mind about the meaning to life, and, you know, does it make, really make a difference? Um, were you thinking about things in perspective of um, this life and eternal life, or were you just thinking about it in perspective of this life? This life and eternal life. Okay, so eternal life was still in, in your mind somewhere. Yeah, there, there had to be more to it. It had to be it's heaven. It had to be more than yeah, just... Yeah. Yeah, okay, I just had the, the general concept that a lot of people have of heaven and hell. Mm. Uh, and one of the things that actually got me 
really thinking about it one day, and it probably sounds a bit silly to some people, but others might get it. There's a, a game I used to play called Final Fantasy X. And at the time when it came out, the graphics were revolutionary. They, right. it, it looked realistic. Individual hair strands and skin tones and textures. Really? Amazing. Yeah, it was so amazing. And mm. you look at it these days, it's dated because everything just keeps improving. Yes. Back then it was amazing. And the only thing that stood out to me was their eyes were empty. But they had all the colour and trimmings and designs of a, of a human eye, but there was nothing behind them. Oh, okay. It was empty. And you often hear the eyes of the windows to the soul. And I sat mm. there and went, it's really interesting. They can make it look real. But no soul. But there's something missing from behind it. And I'd always use that as a basis for why I was interested to look into it more. Because you talk to somebody and there's just something alive in them. And that was reinforced when I was in the police. Like I've seen, I, I can't even remember them all, so many deceased people over time. Mm. And sometimes what you'd have to do is when the forensics people would turn up, you'd have to hold their eyelids open so they could get a shot of their eyes and then hold their hands open so they could get a shot of their fingerprints for further identification purposes. Right. And when I'd open a deceased person's eyelids, it'd just be this blank, empty stare going straight ahead. I think, well... A soul... bit like the, uh, the characters in the games. Yeah, souls left the body. You look at uh, Ecclesiastes 12.7. Right. And shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. I thought, yeah, that's what's happened here. Mm. The, the them is gone. What they were is the gone. The person that's is right. gone. What's the shell is left, but that's... Yeah. Uh, and and things like that really got me uh, thinking about life and life after. And I uh, a few years later, and I'm skipping over a bit, but I, I can't say there's too much exciting things happened in that sure. time. But, but I, I got married, mm. moved to Greta. Are you still in the police force at this time? Yeah, currently. I, I didn't leave until very recently. Okay. So. And uh, had some another couple of old Jehovah's Witnesses come by, and they said, "Would you like to study the Bible with this?" Because I, I expressed my interest. I said, "There's got to be more. I need to learn. I need to understand. I'm 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 ready now. I'm ready to open myself and listen to different denominations and get an idea of where I want to try and apply my faith, right? Or where I want to potentially end up." And so we started having some study sessions, and it was really. Really good. I really enjoyed some of what they said. Some of it I couldn't quite come to terms with, and I didn't feel comfortable with the answers I got from them. And one day I was sleeping after a night shift, and I don't answer the door because it's so difficult to adjust your sleeping patterns from yes. a regular work all day, go to sleep at night, to now you have to sleep one day to work a night, then sleep the next day to work a night, then try and maintain your sleep so that mm. you're back into a regular. It's very, very difficult to sure. do. And there's a knock at the door, and usually it's, well, if it's a parcel, the postman can leave it. If the house is on fire, they'll scream and kick and bang. The, and if it's a family member or friend, they know to go around the back, so that's generally where we receive guests. Yes. And I thought, no, just answer it. And I got up to answer the door, and it was Harley Southwell. Okay. a local member of the Maitland Church at the time, and he was going around and selling literature to help support him at uh, Avondale College because he was doing the Ministry of Theology degree. Okay. We started talking. I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, man. I'm, I'm really keen. I've just started studying with some Jehovah's Witnesses and some of the information. It's really amazing. It's blowing my mind. I never knew this kind of stuff was in the Bible because a lot of places I find don't necessarily teach the Bible. They'll pick bits from the Bible and go, okay. we're going to focus on this today and try and unpack a, a single verse. Hmm. Man, you got the whole the whole book there. You're missing. You know, you can take half a verse." which I've seen some people do on some videos online. They'll take half a verse and go, see, this proves Jesus is not divine. And you read the very next line and go, 
that proves he is. Yes. Like you can't cherry okay. pick. You've got to take it as it is. So I, true. That's true. The whole take the whole word of God. Yeah. That's right. So we're, we're chatting, and he said, "Well, can I can I come back and study with you?" I went, yeah, that'd be great, man. I said, "Do it next week." And he turned back up, and he brought along the at the time assistant pastor of Maitland Church, Braden. Mm. And he said, "Look, I'm I'm going away to study. I'm not going to have time to come back and study with you. Unfortunately, can Braden do it instead?" I went, "Yeah, that'd be great." So we spent a couple of weeks studying, and uh, I talked to him about. I was I was looking for a new job at the time. And I was praying daily on the drive in and the drive home from work to God the whole way. I'm just saying, there's something, find me a job. Please put me somewhere else. I know this is not where I want to be. Like I I got so depressed in the job. I had such bad anxiety. I had some time off work. I'd have horrible daydreams about slowly, very gingerly driving my car into a tree and hurting my shoulder and be like, oh, no, I'm off work for six months. How terrible. (laughs) And that's a horrible way to think. Sure. Um, But I I spoke to Brady and said, what about ministry? like, oh, yeah, this, this, and that. And I sat there and went, nah, it's not really not really going to fit with time, finance, resources, circumstance. It's, you know, I'll, I'll look at something else. And so mm. I continued on. And Braden told me there was a, a series of seminars coming up at Gilson Heights Community Hall called Prophetic Code. And it was presented by Lyle Southwell, the pastor of Maitland Church. Yes. I went, yeah, that sounds good. I'll come along to that. So I turned up and, wow, it's mind-blowing. Oh, really? Absolutely amazing. Yeah, Lyle is a very good student, a good history student as well. He's actually been here in the studio and told his testimony as well and shared that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, it was, like, his presentations are so vivid and lively. And the parallels you're saying between history and the Bible itself were just extraordinary. Like, uh, like I said before, with Moses in Egypt, you don't really get that. I didn't have that connect at the time. Mm. There's a sort of disconnect, like it was two separate worlds. You see pharaohs and their... Uh, cats and snakes and symbols and pyramids and sphinxes they built. Then you've got the Bible as something separate. And it's like I didn't right. have that idea they were together. And then when I started being shown the Bible and history as a parallel, it really fueled me to go, this is something I need to look more into. So yeah. I started So you doing start seeing more of a connection between the physical world in which we live and also the spiritual world and how God weaves himself into the experience of humanity and leads them to salvation ultimately. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. Mm. So I started going to the Tuesday night studies and just learning more and more and more. So is this one-on-one studies or is it like a study group? There was or? a small group, okay. but as time went on, people, oh, no, I can't keep going. I'm too busy on this and that and whatever else. And it ended up being uh, Lyle or Braden and just myself and another guy named Anthony. It was just right. three of us, basically, which was fine because I don't mind more intimate, better chance to unpack things and talk about it, and there's less interruptions if yes. people want to, you know, oh, I've got a story to tell. It's like, no, no, we're we're studying here. It, you know, anecdotally, might be related, but we want to push on because I've also got a wife and child to get home to. I can't sure. sit here and listen to your yeah. your story about you know, being served poorly at a supermarket or something. Right. And not that it's that specific, but you get you get the point. Sure, sure, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> so I kept going, and I was attending church on a regular basis as well, and I was I was all for it. And then when I was told about baptism, I went, "Yeah, this is this has to happen. It's important. Mm. I need to do this." So I'm going to ask you this question. I mean, can you put your finger on it? It might, might not be possible to answer the question, but can you put your finger on what it was when you heard it that uh, just struck this answering chord in your uh, in your mind? With hearing about the word, hearing the word, yeah, hearing you know the the, uh, the prophetic code and the Bible studies and that, because obviously you responded to that. Now some people do and some people don't. I'm always curious those that don't why they wouldn't, because obviously I have and obviously you have, and then those that do. I mean, can we put it in words? Um, why do some respond and some don't? I mean, it's just I, I being a former police officer, 
I'm all for evidence. Mm. But there are times when you have a gut feeling about something. Okay. You meet people and think, oh, this is such and such. Yeah, yeah, that's great. He's a really nice guy. And you sit there like, I don't think he is. You just get this feeling there's something untoward about them. And then sure enough, you'd find out that you're, you know, your gut feeling was correct. Your yeah, instinct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and with the evidence that I was shown through the prophetic code seminars and somebody actually sitting down and going, here's the Bible. It's been unchanged for so long. Mm. Like, as you start to put the things together and go, there's something else here. Okay. This isn't just by circumstance or chance. So there was some conviction in what you were hearing. Yeah. Because um, one of the things I believe, the Word of God is, says that it's living and powerful. So it actually has a self-convincing power. I've met a number of people now, spoken to people even out of China in the underground church there, where they say the first time they heard the gospel, they knew this was true. I said, yeah. how did you know? It just struck an answering chord in me. And there was something in the Word which was different to any other Word I'd heard up to this point in time. It convicted me that this was the truth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I'd, I'd very similar, yeah? Yeah, yeah, for wow. sure. Okay, powerful. So it was everything was really coming together well, and we got to a point where I got to set a date for my baptism, and it was the 29th of May, 2017. Wow, okay. And Lyle said to me, where do you want to do it? So it's going to sound really, well, maybe silly, but it's going to be a bit of a out of the way. So I said, I want to do it in Port Macquarie. Mm. I said, it's a beautiful place. I said, I was born there. This can be my rebirth there. He said, yep, no worries. We probably won't get many people from the church going. I'm like, no, that's. I, I was still a bit uncomfortable with the environment okay, because I hadn't quite put myself out there in the church as such. Hmm. So when he said there won't be many people, I'm like, that's fine. I'd much rather yeah. a smaller intimate gathering. And, okay. Uh, so my, my family, my parents, my brother and his wife came along. Um, of course, my wife and child were there. Hmm. A couple of workmates who were Christian values and went to church and, you know, claim to follow Christ of sort of questioning a bit now and we're going through some uh, some talks so we'll see where that leads yes but I had a lot of friends and family turn up and uh, Lyle and his family came along as well and Braden came along and Anthony from study groups came along too which I thought was really nice to pop out so we had a bit of a chat and then a song and walking on the water my wife came along with me holding now so this is a river or an ocean that you're walking into the beach the beach yeah. okay so beautiful it was the most beautiful day I'll just touch on that because it was it's a moment that's going to stick in my mind forever for a number of reasons. Hmm. Obviously, one being having my former life washed away and yes. this Amen. rebirth in, in God and Jesus, which was an amazing thing. But the, the day itself was so beautiful. It's the bluest, beautiful sky. There's three big, white, fluffy clouds. Hmm. Like look, It literally looked like a painting or a photo. Something. It looked so unreal. It was amazing. Yes. And the water was a crystal blue. And it was just so inviting and lovely. It was bit cold, but it was sun was out. It wasn't too hot. You said it was May. Was May, it? yeah. Okay, so, so sort of going in autumn. Necessarily, yeah. And we're walking down, and I had a white shirt and uh, grey pants on. My wife had a white dress on. And we're walking down. I said, oh, "Are you coming in the water?" She went, "Yep." I went, "Oh yeah, cool." So you're going to come under with me? And she went, "Yep." You're going to get baptized? She went, "Yep." This is so important to you. I want to show you how important your importance is to me. Wow. So I got baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist church. Mm. And she said, I'm not ready for that much yet, but if you'll baptize me to Christ, that'd be great. Mm. And Lyle went, well, yeah, <laughs> okay. as if I'd turned that down. And so she got dunked as well. And mm. we both walked out of there a little bit wetter and I felt much happier about it all. It was wow. an amazing experience. Okay. Incredible. So uh, what's your life been since you've made that decision? What's it been like? It, it had its ups and downs. Sure. I think 
Highly so it, didn't, it didn't take pro- any challenges or you know challenges of life, the regular challenges of life. That didn't take it away. The the uh, the baptism, not particularly. I, I think okay. I was kind life of life still ex- continues as normal yeah. in, that, in in the in the uh, physical sense. Yes, yep. I, I think I was kind of expecting a magic switch. Right, just go flick, boom, done. Okay, everything's better now. Mm. I don't I I don't know why. I, I imagine it was because I had received Jesus, I had received God into my life mm. more so, but. I think I was expecting physically something more to happen in the case of I can see a change here instead of realizing the changes more internally and more spiritually. Yes. Uh, so I, I continued to go to church and I continued to do the studies. Um, and then the seminars came up again. And when they finished, the study started up from square one. Mm. And I got a bit annoyed because I'm thinking, well, we're halfway through Revelation. I've been putting my time in. I've been coming here Tuesday nights when I can and being dedicated to learning about this. And now we're going back to the initial start of it all. Mm. It's not fair. I wanted to keep learning about Revelation. And, it, right. you know, that was the, I still had those greedy concepts of me, me, me. This, mm. this is hindering me instead of thinking they're trying to help more people than me. Right. I should look at that as a positive thing. Uh, and so it was March 2018. A mate of mine got married. And it's going to sound really stupid, but I went away from the church for a while. Mm. And the reason why I did that, and this is the stupid part, was because I shaved my head for his wedding because okay. I'm starting to go a bit thin on top. Okay. And it's a very soul-crushing thing to a man <laughs> to lose his – some not necessarily, but a lot of other ones I've, I've spoken to people about. And it's, it can be a very big thing when it comes to – it's silly, your ego. Mm. Um, and so I thought – we're out on the um, foreshore, and he's having his wedding out on the out on one of the docks there. And it was yeah. quite windy the day before. And I thought I'm going to Donald Trump in the wind and have my hair wishing up. It's going to look silly, and people are going to laugh. I'm going to be embarrassed, and I can put gel or spray. Or what, just shave it. So I shaved my head. When it started to grow back, you could see where the hair's getting a bit thinner on top, and mm. the gaps and the horseshoe. And I went, oh, it's really embarrassing, and people are going to think about it when I go to church. So I stopped going to church because of a physical issue that I had with my body. That nobody else cared about. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And it's so, like looking back at it now, it's so silly to talk about it, um, but it was so important to me so, then. So some, yeah, it's amazing, you know, human mindset and what we think is important. What happens is we connect a lot of emotion with it. Yeah. And then it becomes a really big deal. But that actually kept you away from the church for a little while. Yep. It started to, and I thought, look, I'll just let it grow back a bit till it's at a, an acceptable length and it all looks the same that I can go back. And I was ready to go back probably halfway through the year and then one of my mates needed help moving and then something else happened the following Saturday and then my brother was moving to Tenerfield and all these things kept popping up and Mm. felt like it was preventing me from... There's always something got in the way that I went, I'll use that as an excuse today. Right. So were you you subconsciously looking for an excuse or do you think it was more of a supernatural thing where the devil was trying to keep you away from church? I think Satan was playing a big part in it, mm. playing on my fears mm. and, and throwing whatever he could in my way for me to go, yeah, it's good enough. I'll, t- I'll take the easy out today and I won't get dressed up and organise in the morning and get in the car and drive in and sit down and have that circumstance, which is silly because every time I walk away from a service, it's almost like the pastor's up there speaking directly to me. Right. Talking to a whole okay. congregation. Mm. But every time they start off, it sometimes. It's for you. Yeah. Sometimes mm. Braden will start off and he's, he's talking. I'm like, where's he going with this? And he always brings it back to a point. And I'm like, that's phenomenal, brother. That was great. Mm. I'll tell him, same with Lyle. I'll tell him, that was amazing. That was really, really, you know, 
spoke to me as a person, even though it's not necessarily directly aimed at me, it's more of a general sure. aim at everybody. But the Holy Spirit works with what's being yeah. presented, yeah. Every, every single time. Hmm. So I, I spent way too long away from church, but while I was away, I did my own independent research that I'll look into it more and understand more. And I came across some videos on YouTube from a couple of different channels and it really started to get a, a fire lit. And mm. in my brain, I'm going, I, I need to get back to church. I miss the fellowship. I miss the time. It, I feel it makes me a better person being around positive people like that. Yes. And uh, around this time, I was discharged from the police, mm. medical discharge because of my anxiety and depression. Mm. And I, we sort of had a back and forth. I went to the police and said, look, I'm struggling. I'm not doing too well. They said, all right, well, you know, tell us what you need. We'll give you a hand. I said, okay, well, how about this? No, we can't do that. Oh, how about this? No, we can't do that. It went on four times. I tried to get help, and every time they went, oh, no, we can't afford to do that for budgetary reasons and this mm. and that and all the rest. And I went, oh. you sure you want to help? Or do you want to help me within the framework of what you're willing to give, mm. not what's going to be beneficial for me? And so we couldn't come to an agreement, and I couldn't go back to doing the job that I was doing yes. with all the issues and all the head noises that I had. And so I was medically discharged. Mm. I went, okay, that is that is what it is. I'll seek something else. I ended up getting a, uh, a bit of a payout and I ended up getting ongoing income because they have to supplement and say, well, we, we basically made you this way. We broke you. We have to help you along until you can find something else that will, that will suit. Right. I went, okay, this is what it is now. So I, all this is coming together. And uh, I went to spend a week in Tenerfield with my brother. Mm. We had a great time. We we're hanging out and we were playing games, we we're painting models, and we started watching a lot of uh, videos on YouTube. And I was watching their stuff, and I went, "These guys are doing it well. They they're getting out there. They're telling people this is amazing. This is I need, you know, I need to get back to church. I've got to get back online. Like these, they, they had such truths. Mm. It just opened my eyes. It was like prophetic code in a different way. Yes, completely blew my mind. Mm. And I went, I need to. I need to get back onto this. So I got home from Tenerfield and I said to my wife, I'm back at church full time next week. We're going to figure out what we're going to do because I'm going back. She went, okay, we'll get that happening. It's great. And funnily enough, the next day was uh, one of the most amazing encounters I had with the Holy Spirit and God that I ever have. Okay. The way it came about was absolutely phenomenal mm. and I'm really excited to share it. Okay, so we're we just uh, coming to the end of part two. So, dear listener, we're going to just take a break here. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Daniel Collier. We're going to share our contact details with you, and we'll be right back after this message. So stay tuned, and we'll be concluding our program right after this. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back in the studio. My special guest is Daniel Collier. And Daniel, just before the break, you were telling us about a Holy Spirit experience. Well, you're just about to tell us, so take it away. Yep, I was out gardening. My wife had taken my daughter up to Tokal, show her off to a bunch of old ladies doing some knitting up there. And I'm listening to some uh, podcasts and videos on my headphones, which is linked to my phone on the window. So I'm digging in the garden and my brain went, you've got no job, you're unemployed. 
money's going to run out eventually. You, you need to sort something out. Mm. And as I'd spoken before, I thought about ministry earlier on, but the timing wasn't right. And for whatever reason, the idea of ministry entered my head again. And I went, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can talk to people. I can get out there. I can present it. I can spread the word and get God's word out there. These guys are doing it. Listen to this. The guy was presenting on um, astronomy, mm. proving creation and the genealogy of the Bible being correct. And it was amazing. And so this idea bounced around inside my head for about 10 minutes. And then out of the blue, my phone rings. I'm like, I don't recognize that number. And I walked over to answer it. And it was one of the church elders I hadn't spoken to in months. Wow. He said, what are you up to? I said, I'm back at church full time next week. Went, That's amazing. I said, yeah. I said, I'm uh, going to enter ministry. He went, That's amazing. We need more ministers. I said, you will not believe it. I literally just thought that within the past 10 minutes that the idea has been bouncing around inside my head and we haven't spoken in months and out of the blue, you call me to see how I'm doing. You tell any regular person that in the street, oh, what a coincidence. I'm like, no, that was that was God. Hmm. And that got me so motivated that I've now applied to Avondale successfully. I'm okay. going there to study ministry and theology next year. Wonderful. And I've got about five or six roles in the local church that I'm running with my spare time and I'm so dedicated I'm so keen it's the most exciting time of my life it's amazing praise the lord so you uh, you have this uh, this moment where you start thinking what do I do with my life and you feel impressed that this was what you should do yeah next minute you have someone has rung you for a long time out of the blue, rings you up, and then he actually confirms what God has put into your mind. Yeah, a, a church elder, no less. And a church elder. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, dear listener, thank you for joining us on the program today. And I want to thank my special guest in the studio, Daniel Collier. Thank you for coming to share your testimony. Thank we you very much. that God will continue to guide, lead, and bless you in your life, especially as you're now entering ministry and you're taking up your education at Avondale College to be a pastor. Dear listener, thank you for joining us today. We pray that God will continue to guide and lead and bless you in your life as well. We look forward to catching up with you next time. God bless. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.